0: Bringing the most innovative ideas, inspirational stories, all to create an impact uprising.
1: So, welcome to the Good Community. We're nonprofit professionals, philanthropists, world changers, and rabid fans who are striving to bring a little more goodness into the world.
0: So, let's get started.
1: Y'all. <laughs> It's 2021. Welcome to it season is. two.
0: And have you ever seen us fanboy and fangirl out? Because you're about to. <laughs> I mean,
1: here's the thing. When you start out a new season, you really feel a pressure. It's it's like you're coming out party again, and you want to bring a powerhouse mm-hmm. in as your first interview. So we're like, you know, looking Nervous through jitters. the universe. Mm-hmm. Yes, looking for a powerhouse. And we just decided if we had our own fundraising consultant for our own business, who would we pick? It'd be Mallory Erickson, and she's here today. So (laughs) it is my joy to kick off season two by introducing Mallory Erickson. Erickson, who's a fundraising and executive coach, and she feels like my sister from another mister in the way <laughs> that she writes and emotes and coaches. The humanity is explosively coming out of her, um, but she has been such a seasoned professional um, in the nonprofit fundraising space for years. She has coached her clients to raise over twenty-three million dollars from with five dollar to half million dollar gifts from these twelve thousand dollars from 12,000 donors and we're going to double click into how she did that and thank you Mallory for seeing the five dollar donor because I think we were all the five dollar donor at some point in our life but she just has this beautiful blend of executive coaching and fundraising um, consulting that really transforms the clients into powerful and authentic fundraisers and I feel like I'm pitching her (laughs) and I'm not I'm not trying to but she's (laughs) such a good human and the way that she authentically leads teams to understand the why of donors, the appropriate way to ask, the human way to ask. We're just all about it. And so we're just going to talk all things about how to transform your fundraising in 2021. We wanted a powerful voice to come into New Year. We're still in this pandemic. We are going to be coming out of it. You know, I'm crossing my fingers right now this year, but we still need to put in some grit and some hustle this year. And Mallory's going to bring it for us. So, yeah, Mallory, welcome. welcome to the show from California.
2: We're so glad you're here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled to be here and love you guys and geek out on you guys just as much. So I'm glad that the (laughs) feeling is mutual. It's just a big old love fest here. So kind of give our listeners a little bit of background
1: into your career journey, your work, and what led you to where you are today.
2: Yeah, so I have been in the nonprofit sector my entire career. I have done sort of every job in nonprofit you could imagine, I joke, other than tech. Um, So, you know, I've been a program director, managing director, executive director, um, you know, worked in a, a number of sort of grassroots roles. And once I started to move my way up in the nonprofit sector, fundraising expectations came with the territory, as many of us know so well. Um, and if you had asked me when I was an executive director what my least favorite part of the of- my job was, I would have without a doubt said fundraising. Um, And that's because, (laughs) yeah, which I think I hear all the time, right? Um, Everyone's just kind of nodding. So, you know, I, and that was because I was sent to sort of all the traditional fundraising trainings, like here's how you have a major donor meeting, and here's how you send this corporate sponsorship email, and here's how you do this thing. But nobody really talked to me about the underlying discomfort that came from, asking for money, and, and building relationships around money, and just the vulnerability that exists in with money in general. And I went through an executive coach training program, which at the time was not connected to my fundraising at all. Um, but I learned through that training all these tools and tricks and just built this tremendous awareness that I didn't have before. And it completely changed my fundraising. I mean, I I took an organization from a million dollar or under a million dollars to 3.5 really quickly with these tools that I sort of built out and adopted from that executive coach training program. And what I found when I started to talk to other fundraisers about, oh my gosh, I feel like I found this secret to fundraising that like nobody's talking about. You know, most people were like, oh my gosh, like, tell me about it. I want that too. Some people were like, whoa, you're kind of taboo. You're going to talk about the (laughs) elephant in the room. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I love it. (laughs) I'm like, yes, I am. Because we need to talk about these things because we've been um, sort of trapped in this old school way of thinking about fundraising and philanthropy that's not serving us as fundraisers, that's not serving our donors. And there's actually a totally different way to do this where we're embodied and empowered and connected and joined. Um, And so I I launched my um, practice to support leaders who want to fundraise that way. Um, And I've worked with over, you know, I've worked with over a thousand fundraisers um, in the last year in some capacity through my courses. I've coached 23 organizations one-on-one all of them see the same results when they take this step back and they do this work. And I'm just so, I'm so, um, inspired by them every single day. And so grateful to, to call this my job.
0: Can you see why we think Mallory is a complete powerhouse, right? I mean, she is
2: fully in the fundraising
1: is an art and that's what I love.
0: I know. And it's like, you don't, you don't turn away the science aspect, but the art, the mindset, all of that is just threaded through your approach. And I just love that so much because we aren't just beings that just show up and fundraise and then go home. Like we're complex people and we're trying to overcome our own fears in our roles and our jobs in a changing landscape. And so I love that you just lead us through that and um, can't wait to dive into some of your hacks today. Um, let's start by getting into mindset. If, if you're okay with that first, um, will you talk us through, you know, what are some of the ways that you coach your clients through your, your coaching or your one-on-one practice of how do you get in the right mindset to be a more effective fundraiser?
2: Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's so interesting because I feel like when we say the word mindset, we maybe get that little like eye roll because people are <laughs> <Totally>. in, <laughs> right? Like I even had someone on a podcast once sort of say like, but don't talk about mindset. And you know, people, people have sort of heard enough about mindset and I'm like, no, what they've heard enough of is think positive, feel positive, manifest your money, right? Like that's, that's what we've heard enough of because what that doesn't tell us is how to actually shift our mindset. Like if you're feeling defeated as a fundraiser, if you're feeling overwhelmed or burned out and someone tells you to think think positive, you're like, what? Like you can't connect with that energy, right? So the very first thing I'm doing with my clients around mindset is awareness like, where are you? How are you showing up? You know, I say a lot to my clients, like everyone is walking around this world with colored glasses on, right? Pink glasses or blue glasses, but we don't even know that we're wearing glasses, right? That we're seeing this world through perceptions and beliefs that we're holding and we're deriving meaning and stories from all those things. And they are they are creating our entire experience as fundraisers. But until we know what color glasses we're wearing, we can't do any of the other work, right? So that's my, my very first thing around mindset is all about awareness. How are you showing up? What's feeling sticky? What's feeling good? What, you know, what, what are moments where you're in flow? Where are moments where you're feeling really stuck? I do a lot of value work with my clients one-on-one um, to really identify like when things aren't feeling good, There's a reason things aren't feeling good, right? And it can be challenging to navigate that water, especially alone. You know, I have a lot of tools around like, what's the difference between fear or gut? So, you know, people will tell me all the time, I was going to reach out to this donor, but I just had this intuition that it was the wrong time. And I was like, well, is that intuition or was it fear? And they're always like, I don't know. They actually feel really (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Mallory's like a therapist too. I love it. Is it woo-woo or is it? <laughs> so there's all these really complicated emotions that are so totally normal. And we gotta, we have to start there because everything builds on that. I do not care if you have the shiniest, cleanest, most perfect CRM system. If you do not know what color glasses you are wearing, you are not showing up as your best fundraising self.
1: I I love this conversation so much because it reminds me of the first time I ever uh, watched and listened to Brene Brown's TED Talk, which is one of the most transformative speeches I've ever seen. And in what, what she says is completely aligning with you, which is, why have we tamped down vulnerability for so long? Why have we not, again, embraced the f- The art of fundraising, we have we have kind of put that aside in a in a drawer, because we are kind of been proned and wired to know that we can that we need to be apolitical. We can't go into those emotional spaces. But what if that was our superpower? What if tapping into that changed? everything? What if that elevated the game? And we're seeing that over and over again, that if you can tap into again, that awareness mindset, if you can understand what glasses you're wearing, if you're willing and brave enough to open up that drawer and go there, I really think your mission is going to take off. So yes, basically that was a really long-winded way so to say, yeah. <laughs> um, yes, I'm drinking your Kool-Aid. No, I, Keep going. I'm
2: covered, I'm covered in goosebumps actually as you were saying that, because I think that is the fundraising, like the fundraising superpower is vulnerability and authenticity, right? And so people say all the time, like with mindset stuff, and what I find with almost every single person I work with, I actually don't think I can think of a single person that hasn't come up. It's like perfectionism, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, and we are all so familiar as perfection, with perfectionism, right? Anyone who's been in the nonprofit sector, worked their way up or is a fundraiser. But here's the thing. Perfectionism is dangerous for so many reasons. It's dangerous because it paralyzes us. It's dangerous because, you know, it keeps us in a state of, of sort of like inaction and hyper analysis and, you know, focusing on the wrong things. But the reason why it's so dangerous in fundraising is because it's in direct conflict with the most important superpower, which is authenticity. And because perfectionism, perfection is an illusion, you cannot be authentic and perfect. It is impossible. So that's your choice. You can either, either be an authentic fundraiser or a perfect fundraiser. You'll never actually be perfect because that's not real. And I need you to be authentic. <laughs> so I need you to make that choice every single day. Ooh. We just got permission to not
1: be perfect. Absolutely. Thank you. Great. And you
0: know, we talk about this too, is that donors are savvy enough. If it's this perfect exoskeleton, they're going to think what's up. You know, you've got to have vulnerability and people want to see that to understand the needs and understand where the gaps are. But you can't Mm -hmm. just paint a perfect picture of everything all the time.
1: If you go to Amazon and something has five stars and a 100, you know, five-star rating, you know, and no negative reviews, I mean, your little bells go off and it's like something is not right here. Nothing can be this perfect. So I think that's a great suggestion.
2: You know, I had a donor tell me once, that, or like asked me about mistakes I had made. And he was like, I want to hear about your worst mistakes. And I was like, okay. And I started to talk to him about some of the things. And, and I just said to him, I said, can I just ask, like, why are you asking me this? Like, what are you, like, what do you want it? What are you really waiting to hear? And he was like, I just want to make sure you've made enough mistakes before I invest in you because I don't want to pay for them. So I want to see how good your mistakes have been. I want to know that you have fallen flat and gotten up. I want to see under the cover because that tells me a lot about where you are today. And Um, I was like, wow, okay. Even another reason to just like be more honest and open and transparent with our funders. Um, We're going to need his name and phone number because we would like to have him on the podcast (laughs) later
1: on. (laughs)
0: Okay. Awesome. Let's dive in to goal setting. This is one of your superpowers too. I'd love to hear your take on how we can leverage that to transform fundraising.
2: Yeah. So I was thinking about this before we got on the call. Like, what do I, what do I want people to really think of when they're goal setting for 2021? And I'll tell you two, two, the way that I think about goal setting and fundraising is I set a conservative budget goal and an audacious fundraising goal. So I always want my budget goal to be aligned with spending. right? And the last thing I ever want as a fundraiser or someone who's sort of signing off on someone's fundraising budget for it to be overinflated, particularly right now, right, when there is a lot of economic uncertainty, when donor, you know, funder priorities are shifting in response to COVID, right, there's just a lot of real stuff going on. So, you know, I, I always recommend that that side of things remains, you know, responsibly conservative. But I also always set a different fundraising goal and that is my that is the goal that I work with my clients around right so that's our north star that's the number that we're driving towards and it's audacious always and what I see happen with clients around that is that you know they forget the budget goal eventually because that's really just for the sort of operating side of things so their north star is this audacious fundraising goal and no matter where we land, we, are, we max out our fundraising capacity by having, and I don't mean time, right? I mean inner capacity, by setting that audacious fundraising goal. And the reason I watch organizations not want to do that, like where I see a lot of resistance around setting big goals like that, is that they're afraid they won't get it, right? They, they might not hit it.
1: Oh, fear and again just- I hear fear
2: not gut I'm with you <laughs> right. exactly so it's like okay so if so if the only risk if the only risk to setting that audacious goal is that you might feel bad for a second can we handle it can we just like can we just commit to ourselves that like we're gonna stand up for ourselves we are gonna have our own back we're gonna just make it okay, but we're gonna know that our trying to get there is the best possible path forward. And then just manage if we don't reach it, which is okay. You know, and so I I think, I think about goal setting really differently. I think people, you know, I, I'm all about smart goals when it comes to like weekly deliverables, monthly deliverables and things like that. But I really believe in an audacious North Star, because the way your mind works when you're thinking big, the creativity you have around fundraising, the guts you muster are always better.
0: Okay. I love that. And I'm also thinking of Casey Kasem, reach for the <laughs> moon and you're going to land somewhere among the stars, right?
2: Oh my
1: gosh. Where's the, where's the dad joke, I know, um, it's so bad. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but it's just so good. I mean, I think we're very much the same way in, in how we approach goals, but why not? You know, we keep talking about this with abundance. Our missions absolutely demand us to dream big and we need to be in that space because we limit our own donors in that capacity too. we limit what we think people are possible of because we don't even float it. You know, we don't even put it out there. And so I love that you're challenging your clients and to lean into that because we are our own worst enemy at that. You know, it shouldn't be a goal that, you know, you can hop over who is engaged by that anyway. You know, it's, it needs to have um, something that makes you a little uncomfortable
1: and i have to tell you if i'm a board member of an organization who tells me at the on the front end look we're going to have a crazy goal And this is not something that we want you to hold our feet to the fire and say, you know, that there's going to be punitive damages or shame or whatever associated with that. We just need your support and we need you to have our backs because we're going to go for it. There is no board member in history that is going to say, no, I'm not okay with that. Like they're going to say, you go for it. We are going to give you the... the the launch pad to be able to go and do that. And if you get it, what a celebration that is. And I can just think that if you're someone who's letting go of this perfectionism, it's okay, you know, it's okay to kind of reach for that. So that's a really good tip there. Um, So our third tip that you want to dive into is power partner focus. Right. And I, I am love so excited for I am to too, hear Mallory talk about power because partners. Mallory has had a power partner class that just seems so game changing. And I love how you are bringing this to the community. So go for it.
2: Yeah. So I have spent years thinking about what the difference is between those fundraising meetings that feel like life-changing, you know, the ones we've all sat down and we've been there for three hours and it's like, where did the time go? And there's so much connection. And I mean, gosh, I have had, I had major donors at my wedding, you know, like they're like, we, right? Like, I mean, I had, I did, you know, and, um and so it's like, we all know the difference between those and the meetings that just feel like, oh, I don't even know the words, right? They're just like they're sti- I call them sticky, right? Like it kind of feels like you're bumping into a bunch of stuff and it didn't really feel good and you're probably sitting down at that meeting because somebody made an introduction and that person's doing a favor for you, you yes. know, or for their friend, right? And so the difference between those things is power partners not power partners, and that all comes down to alignment, right? So, what I really focus on with my clients and what I'm coming out with in 2021 is this power partner formula, which is basically like what I've been doing one on one with my clients. I've turned it into a self guided course to help people move through my entire process of how do you identify from the get go that somebody is a power partner, and then how do you reach out to them recognizing that power partnership? You know, so often. And I think we were talking about this the other day. When we're sending like engagement emails or asking someone to meet with us, we really make it all about us. And we are like, you know, we wear we have my pink glasses on, and I'm doing this cool thing over here, and I'm going to tell you all about that cool thing and how you should care about that cool thing the way that I care about that cool thing because you should just care about it the same way that I do, right? And so you should want to fund it, right? And we don't ever take a step back and be like, okay, so this is that power partners want the same end goal, but potentially for different reasons. So not only do we learn to identify who they are, identify their underlying sort of I don't want the word motives doesn't have the best connotation to me, but inspiration, right? They're like underlying inspiration for the outcomes that you want. And then we learn how to connect with them based on those, based on, you know, that inspiration and build a partnership around that. So, you know, I say, I say, like I sort of gave you the example of the email that I see most people sending, right? Which is like, you know, hi, I'm, you know, the executive director of da-da-da. We do blah blah blah. We are having this event, you know, about da-da-da-da-da. We'd love to invite you to sponsor, let me know when you can talk about it, right? That's sort of like the typical email. A power partner email sounds really different, right? So a power partner email sounds a lot more like this, like hey Annie I just saw that over at you know insert company you guys launched an initiative focused on da 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 I am so inspired by blank's commitment to Blank. And I really think that over here at Insert My Nonprofit, there could be some cool strategic partnership opportunities to elevate your mission. We focus on deep to deep to deep, deep, and it's really clear that we both care about blank. I would love to have a quick conversation about this. Do you have 20 minutes to get on the phone next week? Right. Something like that. So what you, I just ran through that really quickly. That's not actually the template you get inside power partners. It's a little bit more robust. D2D is not in there. Um, But what I, the point of that is what you can tell in the difference there is that the second email, the power partner email is all about the power partner, there's right? No it's like, I
0: noticed there's, that your example is like, wee we, 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 but it's more about the yeah. person, the other person.
2: Yeah, it's like, here's what I see in what your company is trying to do. And yeah. I love it. And I love it because we're trying to do something similar over here. And I want to see how powerful we could be together in achieving blank. Right? So it's like, what a different feel, how different someone is gonna show up to that meeting than they would if it's like, hey, we're having this event. We are looking for corporate sponsors. Would you be willing to have a conversation about sponsoring our event for $5,000? Like which meeting do you wanna go to?
0: Hey friends, taking a quick pause to share a huge announcement today. We believe 2021 It's all about taking action. No more sitting on the sidelines, but getting up, taking the steps to take you and your organization's mission further. That's why I'm so excited to share the launch of Good Workshops. Forget everything you know about boring webinars and find something completely different here. Every workshop breaks down a strategy and shares a roadmap for putting into action right away. So what can you expect? Dynamic teachers. We call them good profs who share live training, live Q&A, and a toolkit of resources to get you implementing what you learn right away. And if you know us, we believe everything is better in community. So that's why our workshops have built in private community for added accountability if you want it and inspiration too. We believe good workshops will help you grow further and faster this year. Will you join us? Join the waiting list at weareforgood.com workshops.
1: This is exactly what I remember Bridget Zorn. We had her on, you know, back in season one. And she's talking about how you align your values, you know, with your donors, whether that's a corporate donor or an individual, a foundation. I mean, there is a much different approach to saying, I think we have alignment in what we believe and the things that we value. If you're interested in learning more about it, let's have a conversation. And and to me, there is no hint of solicitation in mm-hmm. that. It's, it's definitely about partnership. What you've just said is so groundbreaking. I hope everybody took notes right there because that was a really, really good tip. Okay. So we're moving into tip number four, which is shifting the culture of our organizations and not fearing the inevitable no's. I can't wait for you to dive into this. Go for it. <laughs>
2: So, okay. So we, gosh, this relates to like everything that we've talked about basically up to this point. So this relates to the mindset work, right? Because we, one of the things, one of the reasons why I realized that I wanted to work with fundraisers is because I actually started coaching like women, um, and just doing sort of like more general like life career coaching. And what I found was like sort of what you were saying around Brene Brown, right? Like, how does vulnerability trigger all of this, all of our stuff, right? And so what I realized in doing that at the same time as I was, um, you know, fundraising is wow, like fundraising triggers all of our stuff because it's vulnerable. And I work with a lot of clients, honestly, who are like, I feel like I've worked through a lot of my self-worth stuff, but here it comes rearing its ugly head around fundraising. And I can't, I can't break the cycle now again, you know, like I did before in my, you know, whatever component of my life. And so, you know, there's this culture in nonprofits. And I think part of this is, you know, because of the stigma we honestly deal with in nonprofits where we are, we, many of us have dealt with people sort of questioning the efficiency of our organizations or questioning our competence as professionals. And so we launch ourselves out on the defense, right? Like with the perfectionism, you know, and then we, we internalize it into our organizational culture too. And what that does is it doesn't create space for people to, to deal with rejection safely. And fundraising is inherently involves rejection. So you've now created this environment that's unsafe for your fundraisers. And so what that means is they're never going to push a boundary. And as they're leaving money on the table, you know, I tell my clients all the time. I do not care how many yeses you you got this month. That number means nothing to me. Tell me how many no's you got. And inside Power Partners, I actually have a no challenge because I want people to get comfortable hearing no. Because the only way, the only way to move through that, particularly if you have a culture that isn't allowing you to sort of talk about these things or talk about the discomfort or talk about the vulnerability, is is to survive it right like with all of these things that bring up our deepest self-critics our deep our deepest gremlins i said to a client the other day i said i said you know i don't know i don't want to like overstep here but like what you're kind of describing to me sounds like you feel like you might die like if that like that the, like the level of stress Intensity, you feel yeah. over that meeting and she was like that is how i feel like, it's not like I think I'm going to die, but it feels like that, right? So it's like these, the, the fears, the, the level of fear that people hold walking into these donor meetings, like they are just walking off the ledge into a dark abyss, right? And I said to her, I said, she was like, that's why I feel every time I'm, I'm, you know, going into a donor meeting because I don't know what they're going to say. And so I said to her, I said, okay, so what if I told you, Alice, that next year you were going to have 104 donor meetings and 56 of those people were going to say no. And the rest of them were going to say yes. How would that feel? Like, how would that feel different? And she was like, oh my God, it would feel completely different. And so what I realized is that it's actually not the no that people are afraid of. It's the story that they caused the no, right? It's the, it's the fear that something they did caused the no. And so that's perfectionism, right? That's insecurity. That's our gremlin. That's our self-critic, all those things, which so many of us, myself included, know so well, right? So, okay, so that means that you are not in, an, in a culture, you haven't created an organizational culture that creates safety and expectation around the no right? That like, that's just a part of what this is. And so when I think about, you know, how do you change, you know, organizational culture within fundraising teams, you know, one track and celebrate those no's. That means that your fundraisers are pushing their limits. If they have hundred percent yeses, they are doing something wrong. Like that is the worst <laughs> sign to me. They're doing yeah. something wrong. And probably so, asking
1: too low if they're getting all of those, absolutely. those yeses. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Right. They're leaving money on the table. Like what you were saying before, like when we under, you know, when we undershoot with our donors, when our goals are too small, then we make our donor goals too small. And all of that is built on fear of the no or the yes, but, or whatever. And the reason we're really afraid of those things is because we're afraid of the stories that accompany those things. You know, people say no to me all the time, but I don't attribute anything to that. And what I say when a donor says no to me, my true feeling and what I say is, I really hope you find an organization that you feel inspired and enlivened by. And that's what I really hope for them. Like, if it's not my organization, no problem. Like, I hope they really find what is meaningful to them. And I really feel that way. And I say that to them. And so it's like, their no isn't personal. But it's so easy for us to go right into those stories of that donor didn't like me. I said something wrong. I asked too early. Like, I think the whole like waiting 12 to 18 months around a major donor thing is a total farce. I think the only reason we do that, are you ready? Yes, go, go. I think think the only reason we do that is because if a donor is still meeting with us after 12 months of meetings that don't involve an ask, we have finally convinced ourselves that they're going to say yes. I think that's it. I think that's the whole thing. We've built an entire culture around this weight to satisfy our fear of them saying no. Wow. I
1: just feel like this is a masterclass and everything that you <laughs> taught in fundraising could possibly, not maybe not everything, be wrong. Because <laughs> the power, can you imagine the shift in a culture if your executive director came to you and said, you gotta know, and that's, Bravo. Can you imagine the shift of, I saw you push yourself on this one. I saw how hard you cultivated this donor. I saw... That, you know, it just wasn't in the cards, and we get that. I mean, the whole time you've been talking, I go back in my mind to the time where we're setting budgets as a major gift officer and saying, for the year, I think, you know, with this donor, I think this could be a high level, you know, this is the high of what they could give, this could be the low of what they get. But it's like that is not what could actually happen you know it could be zero our low could be a zero from that person but how freeing to know that we're not going to waste our time on people who don't align with our values and with our mission into knowing that our leaders have our back to know that that is a function of what we do we're not going to take that inside of us and let it just stew and cripple us we're going to use it as a part of our armor to go out and find the people that do align with us. And, and we're going to get yeses there and they'll feel just as good. So I, th- I think you are blowing, um, just everything up in my mind about what, what is possible and how we look at how we engage John's rubbing yeah, his like, head. Like I he's know hurting. I'm like,
0: I'm having this moment. I'm like, <laughs> who doesn't want to have a resilient team after 2020 It's got to be what we all lean into, you know, and those that were comfortable with no's probably came out so much farther ahead for what the year threw at us. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I love that you are preaching this. I love I think two of a great guest, Lindsay Simons, we had on episode 50 that she said, you're also not going to get as many no's because the steps of getting to know a donor and what they value, you're probably not going to get a hard no. I mean, like a hard, hard no is so rare compared to. Yes, but or yes, maybe not that much, or, or later. Not right now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like how much fear do we wrap in something that if you do all the things, like you're not even gonna be faced with it as much. And it's and it's okay. I love the permission you've given the donors. Hey, I want you to find that place. That's what we preach in a space is that philanthropy gives us that opportunity to find what we connect with. And of course we're pro that. If it's our organization, that's great. But we're on the donor's side. I mean, that's donor centered mm-hmm. fundraising.
1: And the mental yeah. health of this, I think, is also something that we so could good. not, oh my gosh. W- that we need to like just sit on for a second. Because if, if you don't feel burdened, if you don't feel um, the responsibility that's weighing you down of, I have failed in this, it may have absolutely nothing to do with you. And if we mm-hmm. can just let that go, think of how much more vibrant and empowered we would feel as professionals. I think that this has all the underpinnings of being a really progressive thought in our industry. So. Mallory's
0: carrying that banner. We're just here for it, Mallory. (laughs) It's just so great, Mallory. No, but it's
2: totally, like everything you guys are saying is just like so, so aligned. And I think that's the difference also between a like power partner and, you know, and not like when we think about, because you think about the whole trajectory about getting in front of someone or like asking your board, right? To like make introductions for you, right? It's like, you're constantly banging your head against the wall, like open your Rolodex to high net worth individuals, right? That's the wrong ask. Like, because because that's, first of all, that alone is not a match. Like having money to give away and your organization, that's not the criteria. Maybe, maybe it's the criteria for a one-time gift as a paddle pledge at an event, sitting with your board member, but that's not a power partner. That's a guilt gift. And that's (laughs) that's why it doesn't feel good. That's why it doesn't feel good. Right. And that's why the board member hated making the introduction. And that's why the meeting was sticky and all these things. And so even with board members, like my power partners thing has a, like after. After you identify a power partnership with someone in your board's network, that's when you make a very specific ask to your board member using that same formula, because then it's not about their friendship, right? Like that's when philanthropy and fundraising, I think, and I have had these experience too with family members and friends, like, you know, earlier in my fundraising days. So I get it, Um, but it doesn't have to be that way. And I think it's just based on kind of these old school principles of how we build our pipelines and, and how we get in front of the right people.
1: In this ethos of what you are throwing down here, to me, the thing that, that I keep thinking over and over is it creates harmony for everybody. And the donor feels good. The gift officer feels good. The executive director feels good. The volunteer and the board member feels good. And when you are writing those kinds of feelings, what is the end result? Everybody wants to pour into the mission more. They want, to, they want to replicate that feeling again and again and again. And we're not getting caught up in the shoulda, kudas. And we're starting to, like, just look forward. And the other thing I just want to say is I feel that you're saying that, and I don't want people to get lost in the semantics of power partners, that we're just talking about millionaires here. A power partner, to me, could be a young professional who is – passionate about your cause. They could be somebody who could have a very, you know, sort of an influencer voice in the social media space and how you show up with them and how you talk to them is also, I mean, I think they could be a power partner. So I think looking at that broadly is also a really good tip.
2: Yeah. I love that you said that. And that's why I say like $5 to $500,000 donors, because yeah, you need to talk like the idea is that you're surrounded by these people, because that makes your entire fundraising experience, your entire, you know, organization feel really different. Um, and I just I want to say one other thing about the culture piece. Is that okay, if I just go back to that? Because we're never going to you. Heard... Off, Mallory.
1: <laughs>
2: dude, dude, you got your megaphone, you, you say what you need to say into that megaphone. <laughs> no, I just, you know, I hear a lot of times from people when they hear me talk, like, wow, that is so different from how I feel, you know, like the way you talk about philanthropy is so, and asking for money or, you know, making an an offering to people is so different from how I feel every day in my fundraising. And so there's two things around the, the, you know, one thing around the culture. And then one other thing I just want to say around it, you know, one is that you know, create a culture, whether it's just you and one other person, you know, or, or you and a friend who works for a different organization, whatever it is, where you can just talk about when things don't feel good. Like sometimes you just need to let it go, right? Like, oh, I sent this donor an email four days ago. I thought it went really well. I thought the meeting went really well and I'm not hearing back and I'm starting to spiral. Like when we suppress those feelings, they don't go anywhere. So we just got to get them out and we need to know that like, it's really normal to have those feelings. I still, even all the work I've done, sometimes I won't, I'll hear crickets for a, a retainer contract. I'm like, wait a second, like I thought what, and I, and I watch them start the story start. Right. And then I have the tools and tricks to intercept them and change them. But just to know that 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 those patterns, those thought patterns are totally, totally normal. So I don't need to get off this podcast and start beating yourself up for the thought patterns that you're having, right? That's sort of the the opposite. And then the way to change those and shift those is a practice. You know, like I say that I compare it to weightlifting all the time, right? Like you're not going to start lifting the 200 pound weight. You're going to start lifting the 10 pound weight, you know, talking yourself through rejection that maybe didn't feel as, Um, you know, that the stakes were as high, right? You're going to work, you're going to work that up and work that up and work that up. And you're always going to be practicing. And some days you're going to PR and you're going to watch yourself feel good, even after a big no, you know, or yes, but, and other days you're not going to be able to lift the weight you lifted the day before. And that's okay. These, these, Things are, these are muscle building strategies and they are often in conflict with so much of what our culture is teaching us to believe and think about ourselves and about our organization. And so just have some patience with yourself and compassion with yourself if you're in the thick of trying to show up differently.
0: So can we transition to a story, Mallory? You get to work with, you've worked with thousands of people, obviously, so What's a story about a moment in philanthropy? It could be back when you were on the front lines at a nonprofit, something that just really moved you about the power of this space that we get to live in, in philanthropy.
2: Mm -hmm. Gosh, it is so hard. It is so hard to pick one. Um, But I... You know this is kind of a recent one but i was on a donor call with one of my clients um and, and you know so in the middle of 2020 with this family foundation that had historically given i think around 2500 um, to this organization but they but they had you know they have a lot of capacity, and and we could see that they um, were giving bigger gifts to other organizations. And so we, you know, we had this really beautiful call, just talking about you know everything that was going on. A really honest, really transparent call about the challenges the organization was facing, but the opportunity before them, and and sort of the financial sustainability. And this donor. Um, what she really wanted to hear about were was how the constituents were being consulted in how the organization was addressing the challenges in, in front of them. And the way that they were being sort of incorporated into the decision making process of the organization. And I think, you know, we're seeing a lot more of this as community centric fundraising is becoming, you know, a more uh, sort of embraced topic. And we start to think about, you know, decolonizing philanthropy and giving as well. And for me, it was this was in a community where I really didn't think those principles were um, maybe so so widely known, and just watching this woman like really be willing to sit in some very uncomfortable conversations um, and asking for them in order to figure out how she could make the biggest impact. And honestly addressing, I mean, I can't talk about too many of the details, but like addressing some of the ways that maybe her money hadn't been supporting the people she was trying to support, as she intended, I was just, I was so moved. I mean, that's probably not the most like inspiring story you've ever heard, but for me, it was, I think exactly like what you're talking about, Becky, Becky, that like there is this reckoning, right? Like there is this moment where like, we are all being asked to take a giant step back and look at ourselves, look at our organizations, look at the way we operate, look at the way money moves. And we are being challenged to find a better way. Um, And so for me, it was just such a good reminder that the donors are on this journey with us and we're all going to stumble a bit and we're all going to, you know, figure it out and not figure it out and, and fail and be imperfect. And, you know, it's all about imperfect action for all of us, but we're partners. Um, So that, that's mine.
1: That's such a good story. And it's, it's even just the simplicity of it. I mean, if there was a theme to this entire conversation, I would think it would be, it's okay to sit in the discomfort a little bit because that's where we learn. And that's where, again, we are flexing those muscles and getting stronger. And we're going to see a new narrative play out in philanthropy. And I'm so excited about it because I just think that it's a gift to be able to look at something with fresh eyes and to try out something new and different and I just really believe that if you are a wholehearted individual who wants to do good, who wants to perpetuate, you know, your mission in a way that's comfortable and inspiring, there are a lot of things that we have not employed that we're about to see this year. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't know if I'm allowed to do this, but I'm going to. So <laughs> there goes John since eyes got big. I mean, when we, when we launched um, Good Professors and we started to launch – on demand and how we want to completely revolutionize the way that we provide professional development, the way that we train each other, the way that we lift each other up. I mean, what better first professor, good prof, Drum roll. could be the Mallory Erickson?
0: Yeah. She's what everybody needs in 2021
1: so mallory is our i mean is that the spoiler i just i just made it the spoiler is that w- that Mallory's going to be our first good prof for 2021 and this is what you can come to expect is this level of engagement this level of challenge we're going to invite you all to come in and Be a little vulnerable, but embrace community and understand that everyone matters and that within community, we can learn these principles, we can develop them, we can sharpen each other, we can sharpen ourselves. And I'm just so heartened that, you know, we can find these incredible humans. I don't even want to call Mallory a consultant because I feel like that's such a taboo word. But it's like these, like people who are guiding us God that are kind is. of shepherding us through this new wilderness that we're all sort of braving. And so I really encourage anyone, if you have loved this episode, if you want to learn more about this come and learn a little bit more about Mallory's uh, workshop that we're going to be putting on later this month because it is going to be off the chain and there will be takeaways and we will help you walk through the nuances of your mission because we want you to take relevant um, takeaways away from this that do help move your needle forward. So thank you for giving us inspiration to have you be our first Mallory. We're so excited you're here.
2: Oh my gosh, it's such an honor. And I was getting a little bit choked up when you were talking to Becky, because I just feel like, you know, what you guys are doing. And, um, you know, it's interesting, like when you're like Mallory sort of, you know, shepherding us and like my immediate visual when you were talking before was like, This idea of like, take my hand and take you take my hand too. You know, like you guys are like, we are walking through this together, all of us. And we're just trying to figure out how to make this world a better place. And we've been doing the best we could up to this point too. And, but like all of the knowledge, all of the training that you guys are bringing to people and supporting people with to think differently, a place they can always land you know, where they're going to keep hearing these messages and this mission. I just think I'm just so grateful that you guys are are in this
1: space. I just think 2021 is the year of the professional, of the power, power fundraiser coming out in a new way. I mean, I'm just seeing like Superman, like rip open a shirt and there's the cape. <laughs> <Totally>. It's like, <laughs> this is our coming out party and we want to equip you to be one of those forward thinkers that is absolutely going to change the landscape of your nonprofit. And we hope it's going to change you too. So And
0: to do it in community, you know, with like-minded people, that that's what makes it, it really awesome. Better. It just yeah. feels better. It feels better. Okay, we ask every one of our guests one good thing. And Mallory, you've given us so many, but what is something that everybody could implement today? What's a mindset hack, tip, trick?
2: Hmm. So this is sort of an overarching trick that I use for everything, right? So we've talked a lot about the stories that come up, right? This thing happens and we immediately, because of our glass color, create a story around it what one of the tricks i'm constantly employing when i watch myself do that is pull the data right so i have i have a little sign i'm not in my office right now behind my desk that says do you have the data to support that belief and so you know it can be so easy for us to attach to something and believe with all of our might that it's true And, but we've pulled it from a deep belief we're holding about ourselves, not the data that surrounds the circumstance, right? So like when that donor doesn't respond to you in four days, you have created a story about them not liking you or you upsetting them but that's not based on data right and so just constantly challenging yourself when you're feeling you know i have people track like okay all emotions are related to a thought or belief that you you held right people are like oh no fundraising stressful no, fundraising is not stressful. Fundraising is just fundraising. What is stressful are the beliefs and thoughts that you have about fundraising. I'm not good enough at fundraising. I didn't hit my goals last year, so I won't hit my goals this year. That it was really awkward at my last donor meeting, so this one's gonna be awkward too. Those thoughts, that's what's stressful, right? So you need to tap into the emotions that are coming up, the discomfort that's coming up, right? That's how you sit in the discomfort. Look at the discomfort that's coming up track it to the thought that's leading to that discomfort and pull the data is the data true and if it's not what's a different thought that's my sort of like number one go-to process that my brain is going through thousands of times a day to keep me out of feeling uncomfortable
0: mallory okay you've got a fan club in the we are for good team I want you to tell everybody how to connect with you. And, you know, you've kind of teased it on this episode, but we're so excited to have you on our We Are For Good workshops this year, dropping this month. But you have got an incredible, really immersive class that you've put together called Power Partners. So I'd love for you to talk about that as well and just give us all the ways to connect with you because there's just so much good that you're sharing with the world and the community
2: awesome thank you well yes so you can find me at mallory underscore erickson underscore coach on instagram that's sort of the social media platform i show up in the most with free tips and tricks so you can find me there my website is malloryerickson.com as well um and then yes i have created as i mentioned a few times the power partners formula and this is based on years of doing the power partner system one-on-one with clients but i've created a self-guided course that um, folks can walk themselves through step by step by step around identifying the right power partners, knowing exactly how to engage them, how to prep for the meetings that you're having with them, whether it's the first or the fourth meeting, and then how to actually make the ask through my simple yes system. And I do it. You have everything you need for foundations. Corporate partners and individuals. I kind of can't believe how much I'm putting in one thing. Um, But I really wanted to give everyone the tools that they need to just go. The content is in little bite sized chunks. It's all around, like I say, you're going to raise more in 10 weeks or less with this program. um, And I guarantee it, actually. So they can learn more about that by coming to, by watching my webinar, um, which, it, which you were saying, Becky, before, right, is how to raise more from the right donors without hounding people for money. Um, and so you'll learn, I'll share a ton on there. So you'll get to see Inside Power Partners. I'll give you a lot of um, free tip, trip, tricks and tips. Um, and then I'll also um, invite you to join if you wanna join us inside the formula, inside the community that I'm building. And so you can find that by going to malloryerickson.com backslash free.
1: So what I just heard was Val- Mallory uses data to yeah. completely build the power partner structure, which of course you do, because we know if we have the data, then it's going to happen. And, and and success is just within our grasp. You are such a gift, and I am so grateful that you came into our community today. I will also plug Mallory's Instagram. I feel she looks into my soul when she posts, and so I can't put enough hearts on it. I encourage people to go and kind of look at her storytelling there, because it really does, it, it creates some internal reflection for me when I'm when I'm looking at uh, your Instagram posts, which are so personal and vulnerable. So thank you so much for coming into our community today. I think you've kicked off
2: 2021 with a bang. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thanks so much for listening today. If you want to dive in further to grow your fundraising skills, don't forget, you can join Mallory Erickson for our upcoming good workshop. Head on over to weareforgood.com slash workshops to learn more and join the waiting list for all the details coming soon. It's going to be so good. And if you're new here, this podcast is just one way we show up and serve. And so we'd love to connect with you and share more. Every Monday we send a weekly roundup of our best content and resources to help you and your mission go further. We call it our good community. Sign up for free at WeAreforgood.com/slash hello. Our producer, who happens to be celebrating her birthday today, woo is Julie Confer, and our theme song is Sunray by Remy boom. Go rock this week, do getters!